Good afternoon and welcome. Sunday the 8th of November. How quickly time's flying. We're uh, heading very quickly to Christmas. Uh, this is episode 13 of So What's Been Happening. Um, I'm doing it solo this afternoon. A couple of mates uh, couldn't make it on. So, um, But not only solo, we've got a fantastic music guest coming up shortly. Uh, good mate uh, that's Melbourne-based, or was Melbourne-based, now headed off to LA um, and been spending near a year over there now doing some awesome things in music. So I look forward to a chat with Toby Rand shortly. But here we go with, uh, this was 12 months ago. It's hard to believe, but let me play this uh, little clip that goes for about four minutes. This is a little intro into the show and Toby Rand. We are the future to get all as fast It's never gonna last It's sometimes easier Secretly and to spread love I want to offer you some peace The only light you need I see the future watching me Did I lose you in the process? Did you take your final stand? And when you revisit, clutching on to hope, open up your mouth as it feeds your soul. Show me what you feel. I promise not to. Lay down the traps and return to our throne. We gotta help each other. Push open doors. Love will be the answer. Not building walls. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful night. How good was that? Uh, 12 months ago. It's hard to believe. And look, all the way from Melbourne over to live to LA, Mr. Toby Rand. G'day, mate. How are you, Toby? How are you doing, Aaron? Great to see you, mate. Thanks for doing that intro. Um, you said that was, yeah, that's almost a, it's almost a year ago. It blows my mind. It feels like yesterday. So much has happened, but mate, great to be chatting with you and um, 
I noticed something really good behind you right there on your backdrop. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, obviously, the Esplanade in St Kilda, where you played many a gig. Um, it's changed a little bit since since those great days uh, when you played there. But uh, it's it, look, it, it needed a reno, um, some would say, but it's uh, it's still a great venue and icon, such an iconic place in Melbourne. It is, mate. I, I look at it now and I can just picture, you know, the band room being up towards the, the left there where we um, would get prepared for the, the Gershon room or, or playing on the front stage to the right there. And I remember that it was like a, a tradition every Sunday we'd go down um, and watch the Nudist Funk Orchestra back in the day and we'd watch Tony Coper get up and sing Dale Ryder Band and, and all these awesome times. And then we we'd, every time that we toured, we'd always stop in there at least and do at least one or two shows every every tour. Mate, great memories. Yeah. Absolutely. And can't forget uh, the famous Phil Parra that used to do some incredible yeah. music and still still a great muser of today. So shout out to Phil. Um, yeah. He was on icon of the SB and, and I've never seen anyone play Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan as good as him. So he's uh, he was a superstar. Still he is. Did. He is. I know. I'm, I'm, it's 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 sad that some of those traditions have gone, you know. But like, the, I I always have faith that the Melbourne music scene always moves on and finds its place somewhere. And um, you know, obviously this year's been really tough for live music, but hopefully we'll find some new hot spots that'll come come out this summer that we can all be part of and in, in, in the creation, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Look, it's uh, just on our point of view. Tobes, uh, it's a little little bit different life in LA right now and, and in the States, but uh, where we've been in Melbourne is, is as you know, uh, almost eight months of lockdown, um, which has definitely created challenges and no doubt the music scene's taken a massive whack um, and will probably, you know, it'll recover, no doubt, but it's going to be a slow process back because as you know, um, you know, a lot less venues potentially. Um, it's really going to be hard to get a gig. Um, not only that, uh, we're, we've got limited numbers in venues. So, I mean, that kind of creates, I've listened to a hell of a lot of music during this lockdown period and discovered artists I never knew, um, yeah. which is sort of, you know, between every negative, there's been a fantastic positive as well. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what you've been doing during lockdown shortly. But um, look, we really are going to rally behind, obviously, Melbourne local musicians, most importantly, but there's been so many streamed gigs as well that have come on board and yeah. And it's a real mixed reaction, what people say about streamed gigs. Um, you know, the, the, the audio is not perfect. It's not a full show, you know, show as such. But it's been a great way to touch artists and reach out to artists that, that uh, have been able to jump on. And there's been some professionally put together gigs also. But there's also just been some incredible talents I've found that have just, with a guitar, with, a, with their amazing uh, instrument of a voice uh, like yourself, Tobes, it's, uh, it's been incredible to, to be able to connect to so many different people. Yeah, exactly, and and like we actually did a live stream last night, uh, my band over here, and and on a on a, a platform called Stage It, and it's actually it's a really cool thing because we actually got to sound check with with a guy who was you know on the computer with us, kind of running us through the best ways to create the best sound and get the video going at the same time. It was a little like tense because you have the clock coming up and you're going to go live at six thirty, and you want to make sure everything's done. But, um, mate, it was one of our favourite things that we've done this year. I mean, probably only the third gig that we've done this year as well. But um, So there are platforms that really create a space that for um, people at home who have never played in front of anyone before. And, you know, it's also good for people who are, who are just starting to bleed their, their new music or trying to practice some like there's um like there's some dudes upstairs who are, are musicians as well and, and I can hear them writing music and they're using platforms and this time to really create music and get confident before touring starts again. So, yeah, there are positives, mate, but there's nothing like a live show. I can tell, I can see why people would be frustrated. Um, I'm, I'm frustrated, but the thing is you've got to make the most of every opportunity you can. And we're talking together because you created this platform to, to chat with Muso. So, you know, there, there, are, there are good things that happen out of the, the bad shit. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the, give you a quick um, over, overview of how this came about, Tobes. We, we were literally, uh, during lockdown, we, we had an hour a day that we were allowed out originally to go for a walk, which is kind of prison hours, really. Um, it was really super lockdown and, you know, everyone's been super hard and critical on Dan Andrews and what he did. But I think in hindsight, it, you know, he, he made mistakes, no doubt. But um, it's, it's been the best, most effective way to get this sorted. Um, and we're now up to day eight 
of zero cases and long may it continue, hopefully. And that's not going to be the way it always is, no doubt. But um, going through that tough time, walking walking around an hour a day with a couple of mates, um, we did the classic reach out, or, you know, I wonder what Jono's doing or Maka, you know, the old story. And has yeah. anyone heard from Toby? You know, no. Um, or what don't we... Why don't we just, everyone was done with the word Zoom and jumping on a Zoom chat, um, yeah. and which has become the modern word for Google these days is a Zoom. Um, yeah. But people have jumped on, had a chat. So we thought, let's jump on Facebook and just have a chat and see who comes up. And um, then we decided, well, why don't we just go live? So we did that and it was totally out of our comfort zone. We're not super tech savvy either. Then we, we just had a few cameras and it was really clunky and um, yeah. It was a great way to connect and all of a sudden different people are coming on from friends around the world, which was awesome. And we would never have been able to do that. So it was never supposed to go past show eight, show one, as we all laugh at, uh, yeah. show 13 today. So it's been 13 weeks of doing this um, and it's it's been great fun. So I really appreciate you coming on, Tope. Yeah, uh, no, I've, I've, no, no, congrats that you're putting something together, you know, in, in, in the in the time making something creative. You know, I've, I've started doing a few chats with some mates as well. I only started last week, you know. Um, it's just I think it, this is the the time to have the the, the tough conversations and and the good conversations about the industry and about how people are doing. Um, and otherwise, you know, life actually gets really busy and you forget to actually just stop and check fl- flies who fly in front of your face. Um, stop and check, you know, just like um, check in with yourself. You know, um, I know that um, relationships have struggled through this time, and but relationships have got stronger and and music's gotten. Music struggle, but music's gotten stronger. There's different ways to look at everything. I think that having a platform like this, the reason why I wanted to jump onto it is because every time that I've done a little chat with someone, it's stuff that I've I felt like I've needed to, to kind of release. Um, yep. It's very very easy to kind of lock things in. Uh, obviously, with your partner, you can discuss things, but you're not able to go out in the world. Be at the be you know like one of my favorite things after a gig is to go to the bar and have a chat. You know. So you kind of created that vibe now where we can just talk shit, talk about music, and that's kind of where, you know, you'll find people want to jump on and, and, and be part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and as we know, it's been a struggle for the last eight months or so, but it just goes to show you by showing that clip that was last Christmas, who, who you know, 12 months has just flown by. Um, and for some, some would say it's flown. Other people would say it's been a real drag. So, um, look, we hope someone can get... Uh, the joy of Christmas, which is coming up. It's going to be a very different Christmas to what we're used to. Um, we're not certain that it's going to be such, such a large-scale Christmas that a lot of people are used to. Um, so, look, we've, I think it's a real touch point that I've come out of this with just appreciate what you've got now. And one, we're so lucky right now to be in Victoria and Melbourne um, with the, probably the best healthcare, arguably, we around. Um, yeah. And I know, Tobes, you've, you've got family and a hell of a lot of friends in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you want to just say a quick hello and a reach out to, to some friends and family and a quick g'day. Definitely, definitely. Like, you know, it's it's. I want to say congrats on actually being able to go outside. You know, I spoke to my, my father and my brothers and they're, you know, excited to be able to, like, be normal again. Um, my daughter's in Adelaide and they've been quite lucky already. But hello to everyone. I wish that I could be at the ESPY right behind Aaron right there. I wish it still kind of looked like that. Um and just wishing you all the best. You know, unfortunately, what I normally do is I come home every Christmas and, and you know, go to the Boxing Day test and go to go to the pubs and we always play music. I'm, I don't know when I'm going to be back. So I, I just hope that this will subside and that we can get back to some sort of normality early next year. I'm hoping that we can come out May, March, April. Um, that's my dream to bring the whole band over and and uh, and be back in Melbourne, but um, I'm wishing you guys all the best, and just glad that you guys are getting back to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, look, we uh, obviously long hope it may continue um, for everyone, but it, look, it's a very different situation where you are now, Tobes. Um, between obviously you've been recently in in New York, and and LA looks very different. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a long time before we get there back over there too. So, tell me how it is over there at the moment. Well, you know, it's like obviously you probably saw the news that about, you know, about fourth or well, earlier today we, we nominated the, the new president. So the, the streets are kind of packed with um, car honking and there's helicopters, um, um, some, some celebrations and things. Um, but one thing that we're also forgetting is that COVID is still rife and it's still like really um, feeding and like we're having the, the highest number of cases. So we can't really be together together. Um, 
legally, and I'm, I know that you can kind of manoeuvre around, but we still have to wear masks. We're not allowed to do the normal things. We weren't put on lockdown because we kind of were kind of told that you don't really have to. Um, it's a big country, a lot of people. Um, it's it's a weird weird time to be in a place that is built around the sun and not being able to really, you know, flourish in it, you know, but we do find our way. Like we go on the hikes, we can still go to the beach, we can still go outside, but it's just, it. it's definitely a lot less restricted than it was in Melbourne. So I was, you know, very glad to be able to like have some sort of normal life while this is going down, but still, you know, my girlfriend and I, and I have just decided that we would just still not not break that kind of COVID law, which is overdo it, and we don't we don't want to catch COVID, and people are like a lot in this country. So we're just trying to bunker down, work on things that are constructive, and work on ourselves creatively. And you know, we'll go into that soon, but like it's been really flourishing for us. Yeah, well, that's that's great to hear because as as you know, and I'm sure you know plenty of people too that have done it pretty hard during this time. Um, so I'd just like to reach out to them and that's why we put this platform together to reach out and and you know what it might be just something we chat about or mention at some time and someone says you know what I'm kind of feeling like that too you know I am down I have been down I am going to reach out to a mate or or a friend or a family member and that's that's the whole reason we did this not so much how many people jump on right now but the show goes in the vault so to speak and uh, it's streamed on YouTube as well now and um, we're doing an audio podcast that gets uploaded as well. So you just never know who's listening to this and when. Um, and it was a case of for us to reach out to friends and friends of friends and invite them in. And we've yeah. had different shows at times of five and six people just jumping on and just none of them knew each other. And by the end of it, it's a bit of a connection. So it was kind of cool, you know. So we hope, uh, we hope we can do that. Yeah, I really like that. I like that. I think that, um, you know, by no means has this been easy for anyone. And um, like I sit here thinking – uh, like retrospectively, like thinking, you know, yeah, you know, it was actually a good creative time for me, but there's definitely been times when I've had to like dig in and actually discover ways to get around what's going on in here. Um, haven't been sleeping very well, um, but that to me is something that I am just becoming more aware of to work on myself and work on, um, you know, uh, hopefully constructively. But I know that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do that. So like my obviously my my comment to them is like to just to really is to kind of do do the work to, for yourself and and don't don't worry about being judged if if you're if you're feeling low like you should be able to like feel low and just navigate your way through it you don't always have to like live up to the expectations of social media because a lot of that as we know is just a lot of horse shit so just do what feels good for you and um, I think that, you know, we're talking, we're here because the platform created that you and I know each other is music. So music is a healer. And, you know, this has been a good time for us to discover music that actually makes you feel good. Um, and hopefully people are finding that as, a, as an outlet as well. But, um, yeah, no one's really done it, done it easy. Um, but I, I, and like even in Australia, like um, mates of mine have opened up. I don't know if you saw that, that Facebook group called The Blokes United. Um, yeah, yeah. My buddy Richard Maloney's behind that. And um, we know the culture in Australia that men talking about their feelings um, traditionally is not something big, you know. Saying I love you, mate, is more like, you know, you know, in the past it was kind of seen to be not, not, not that cool. Um, and I think that what we've discovered with this is that it's okay to uh, tell your mate that, you know, you're not feeling too good and, and, and giving a bit of love back to your brother and, and um so I really think that platform has been great as well, like, you know, being able to open up and share your emotions and your feelings and not being judged for it because, you know, we grew up in a Melbourne, mate. That's like, you know, don't fucking do that. That's, you know, you're being a pussy if you do that, you know. And yeah. um, and I'm, I'm fucking over that, to be honest with you, mate. Like I, I was yeah. over a long time ago. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about coming to America is that they really did lift me up. They were like, you know what, man, you can do it. And I was like, no, I can't because I was used to saying I couldn't because if you said you couldn't Australia, they'd say, fuck off, you arrogant prick. Mm. But in America, that's one thing that even if they didn't believe it, they would encourage you to do it. And that for me was something that kept me here. Um, and um, But now I'm noticing that Australia is is very much like that and I've, I love the camaraderie that's happened. Like I'm looking at, you know, you know, my my Facebook post is just obviously around five, the five thousand friends, and then you know their friends, and so we're all kind of connected in a way. I'm seeing nothing but real encouragement, particularly with the musos. 
um, you know, yeah, mate, that sounds great, great recording, great song, you know, and just really encouraging um, people putting, you know, stepping out of their shells because we are in a shell. We've all been in our own little shell. And yeah. Yeah. we don't want to feel embarrassed of showcasing who we really are. And um, and so it's been really, that's to me is a huge win that I've found during this last eight months. Yeah, absolutely. And not only uh, have musicians suffer, but it's it's been everyone. Like our oh, sport, yeah. obviously, uh, between AFL and NRL, we got a season gone and done. Um, but yeah. it was a real different life, a very different premiership for uh, for Richmond again this year. But it was so good to have an outlet at least to sit there and watch something. Um, I know, as you know, uh, us Aussies will watch any what watch and bet on anything. Um, <laughs> I know, other, like other than, other than what just happened uh, the other day, um, to, to let you know that the TAB, our betting service that you'd know, Toads, uh, went down and we missed the whole Derby Day uh, or Emirates Day. Sorry, so they hundred million dollars lost, they say, uh, for TAB because the whole system went down and was down all day. So it was disastrous. But uh, think oh. of the money we saved. So there's a oh, hundred yeah. million. There's a hundred billion that should be thrown at Musos. What do you reckon? Yeah, exactly. Let's just put it towards like creating outdoor venues for the whole of summer. I love that. That's classic. Oh my god, man. Yeah, I mean, horse racing without having people at it, like the carnival, is a bit of a weird atmosphere, anyway, isn't it? It's it's, it's pretty crazy. But they had, did, was it select numbers that were allowed to go to the race this year? Was that was that what happened? Or no? So they, I don't even think. Pretty sure they don't even think they had trainers. Um, everyone watched it from afar, basically. So it was literally. The, the critical people, you know, the, the horse handlers as such were yeah. there. Um, they were supposed to be going to allow people for Cup Day and then they abandoned that because of a fair bit of backlash. Um, yeah. Look, you mentioned you mentioned Boxing Day test before and coming back to Australia. Uh, we're hoping that 25,000 fans, which is going to look so different to the 100,000 fans that we used to get or close to um, for Boxing Day. So that's going to look very different this year. Uh, look, we're just hoping... We're just hoping we can get back to a point where, where footy kicks off again unobstructed. But it's interesting, the place that locked down the hardest now has got the best numbers for COVID. Um, so, yeah, other parts of Australia have now started to have these little blowouts, which will continue to happen, no doubt. Um, yeah. But it's just good. Uh, look, I really hope that uh, America can, can look on w- with what we've done. Um, and, you know, other parts of the UK has just gone into lockdown mode now. Um it's it's just a case of you just got to get it done somehow, and and some people take it really hard, and um, you know think it's their freedom to be out and about, and and sure it is, but I think we have to be a little bit responsible with the whole thing, the whole non people not wearing masks and stuff. You just got to do everything you can in this environment to keep yourself safe, most importantly, and then the next person looking out for that next guy as well. So, look, I hope uh, I hope those numbers can come down because they're horrendous at the moment, the amount of cases and deaths, most importantly. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's like I mean, when we first, um, when we first had the the pandemic hit, um, my girlfriend was caught. You know, she was on tour in Spain and France, and and the, every time that she went to a new stop, the case had just hit the place before. So it was she was a day ahead of it, and then and I'm calling, going, listen, I think you might need to consider coming back because they're saying if you don't come back, you're stuck there. You know what I mean? You you have to be in lockdown. Luckily, she made it with about 24 in the last day that they were shutting it down. And um, we basically were put into, you know, we, we came to L.A. and we went into lockdown. And that's when we were, we were like sanitising, the whole kind of thing. And then, you know, as traditionally with humans, you get a little lazy sometimes. And then all of a sudden that starts, you know, becoming a little bit lackadaisical. Then we see people not wearing masks. And it's just like... Come on, and we we're pretty we're very consistent with doing things like that. So I hear you, and I think that yeah, just a little bit of discipline. But you know, we got 340 million people here, and they're divided right now. And there's power plays on. You know, if you wear a mask, you're a certain person. If you don't, you're a certain person. So it's a whole big fuckery. Um, yeah. And the only thing you can do is try and um, affect your circle, and that's what we've been trying to do is just be really conscious of the people that we we um, are affected by our actions. So, but um, yeah, mate. Like I coming back to Australia for me, it would be mean fourteen days quarantining. Um, I'm prepared to do that next year, but right now it's just one of those things where it's um, I'm going to wait for Australia to kind of really get its shit together, which it has, and then hopefully I can come back and visit. Um, we were thinking about moving back, actually, up until today. But um, I think we stayed for a little bit longer at this stage. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's let's for now, let's for the next half an hour. Or so let's let's go into our little bubble, okay? Yeah. Um, let's let's pretend that the rest of the world doesn't exist for a minute, and let's talk about Toby Rand, the guy uh, that that was out of suburbs of Melbourne or Bayside suburbs of Melbourne as a kid. Um, where did first, where did music first grip you, Toby? Yeah, um, well, I was actually in the school choirs um, as a nine, ten-year-old. My mum is a music teacher. She studied at Cambridge University in Britain um, where she met my dad. Dad's a scientist and they met at Cambridge and they came over when, um, when they were about 25 years old. They came over on a boat um, and basically mum walked into a, a school job where she was a music teacher. So... She always had classical music playing and she's a great singer herself. And so she taught, um, gave that institution to me uh, as a singer and, and always pushed me into choirs and piano practice, at which I failed abysmally, which I wish I stuck at. But um, it's all good. I'm coming back to it. And, um, and then my brothers, um, Tim and Simon, uh, were in a rock and roll band. So when I was growing up, they started a band when they were about 14 or 15. So I was about four or five years younger than them. And they were a band called Undercover. And they used to um, play every Friday night. When they turned about 18, they got a residency at the Bowie Hotel, which is a very famous pub. They used to have ACDC, Cold Chisel, In Excess used to go through there back in the day. And on Friday nights, they would cover um, Undercover. So they'd do cover songs. And they became really, really popular. They had that residency for, for years and years and years. And um, I remember I used to sit out in the lemon tree when I was about 14 or 15 and watch through the window of the pub, everyone going off. I couldn't get in. And then when I turned about, I started my first band because I was looking up to them when I was about 15. Um, and that was at the, the, the high school that I went to. And we played at the school fate. And, you know, we were covering um, like Pearl Jam, Green Day, um, Offspring, U2. You know, that was that 90s early 90s kind of vibe and it, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses and it was... What was the name, what was the name of that band, Tobes? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What's that, brother? What was, the name, what was the name of it? That one was called Exordium. Right, yeah. Exordium, which um, Exordium means uh, the new beginning. And, you know, even back then we were kind of... It kind of sounds, um, kind of sounds like a Viking word actually, but... Um, uh, my, my best mate, Ted, was on drums and he was the type of drummer that would, you know, at a gig throw sticks at people in the crowd if they weren't watching. And it was just like a real lot of fun. And my brothers ended up mixing a lot of those gigs um, because they were obviously professionals. They'd be drinking beers. We were too young to drink. And they were just – they were enjoying the fact that their little brother was taking, um, you know, taking the, the footsteps in them. And so the whole family was was quite musical, apart from the old man. You know, he'll he'll hate to hear that, but he used to he used to book um, like Chuck Berry uh, at the school dances in Cambridge University. So my dad tells me all these stories now. Um, he didn't want to tell me all those kind of drunken stories when I was younger because he wanted me to, to be led astray. But my brothers kind of did that for me anyway, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, my brothers had a, a really awesome time. Um, playing rock and roll, and I just wanted to do the same thing. So by the time I was 18, I was gigging all around town and with, with my band, and um, we started another band called Tarko, which is T-A-R-K-O, which is a pretty shit name. Um, it wasn't like Tarko. I and mean, then we actually played a Tuesday night, and they called it Tarko Tuesdays, I think it was, and that was just awful too. Um, but we played... We, we actually got to the stage where we had a van, a lighting guy, a sound guy and a tech and I was, as a 20-year-old, pulling in, you know, something like in between 1,000 or 1,500 a week, just loving life. And I'm like, and that's why when we grow up in Melbourne, you could play six nights a week and you could do covers, you could add your originals in, which is what the bands used to do back in the day. Um uh, you know, like you, you look back at all the bootlegs and stuff and you hear these these bands, they, you know, had covers and stuff. And Melbourne was the best scene for that. But the problem with that is that if you get trapped into the cover band scene, it's really hard to kind of separate yourself. And we found that pretty hard initially. Um, and then I think it was when I was around 24, 25, we changed the name and became a professional band. We started, like, getting some songs on Triple M and Nova and then... Uh, that was around 2004, 2005, and then from there, that's when my break come, came to come to America in 2006. But um, 
yeah, it came from I'd have to give give props to my brothers because that my brother used to work. Tim used to work at ARX, which was a they built amps, and so he would always have gear lying around, guitars. My older brother Simon is an incredible singer. Sounds like Tom York. Jeff Buckley had a had a brainchild, and Tim's a shredder and uh, loves Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and Eric Clapton. So growing up around that energy, I was like very fortunate to like have a good knowledge of music. Like a listen, like Talking Heads was always playing and. Um, my brother loved Ganga Jang and Hoodoo Gurus and things like that. It was like it was really a really good blend of music. Um, I think uh, U2 was the first band that I kind of fell for. Um, and then obviously, you know, in the 90s, everyone had to have all the Pearl Jam records and all the Stone Tool Pilots and Soundgarden. And so I st- when I um, – I think I'm going a bit all off skew here, but when I st- – No, that's great, Coach. Still when I'm songwriting, I'm relating to the 90s. I really am. I'm always picking up energies from the 90s. And so, like, Chris Cornell is my favourite singer. So, like, I love the way that he utilises his voice um, around a major and a minor that, you know, I think he's going to easily go down as one of the most incredible voices of our genre, of our um, lifetime. And um, it's really hard to then step into the 2000s and find that much inspiration that, doesn't go from the 90s or the 80s or the 70s, you know, and um, that's why I think that my songwriting is always kind of thrown back to that era um, and since then I've written a whole heap of songs and, uh, you know, some have been played, some haven't, and then there's a lot more coming out. So right now, fast forward 15, 14 years, I'm probably in the, the most creative, fun headspace that I'm in musically. Um and I've missed out on 14 years of stuff that we can talk about if you want. <laughs> Mate, that's awesome. And it's great great to hear it um, with so many other influences. It's fair to say um, music's definitely been in, not only in your blood, but it's uh, you've had such great influences. And, and some of those bands, obviously, I've idolised my entire life. And I, and I love that Chris Cornell has such been such an iconic voice. As I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, so... And being such a big Pearl Jam fan, since a, a mate of mine said to me uh, one day, you know, I turn up at his house and he's out with his brand new, brand new, which wasn't new at the time, but it was new for him, and E.H. Holden, and we're standing there, and he's he's holding up his Pearl Jam album, and he goes, man, these guys are, these guys are going to be incredible. And it was the Alive album, the first, their first album. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'm like, and I'm like oh, give, me, give me a break. Give me, and the, the, the first single they released from that, from that 10 album was was alive yeah. and he said to me mate these guys are going to be huge i said mate don't don't wrap them up too much i said mate this is pretty good but yeah. keep in mind that that whole seattle grunge feel ha- hadn't really gone through us australia in the early 90s and then when it started to get a run on um i'm really interested to hear in in why why did you end up in la and didn't kind of follow that such that inspiration and end up kind of drawn into that Seattle feel was was LA the the destination for you the LA came about um because of the opportunity I got being on Rockstar Supernova the TV show and it became it was a rock and roll hub in its own right and I feel like the Seattle the Seattle kind of thing in 2006 it wasn't really flourishing with that grunge and everything that you wanted in music was in 2006 was was here in LA. Um, apart from the the ever consistent New York scene, a lot a part of me wishes that I did step out of LA for for like a couple of years and go and visit more the East Coast. Oh, there I am. That was Rockstar Supernova. Um, yeah, a part of me, yeah, a part of me wishes I went to the East Coast because like now I've spent more time on the East Coast. I've realised how much of the musical influence I missed out on. Um, but when you talk about the Seattle grunge and you mentioned about me not going to Seattle, we actually recorded um, with Rick Parisher, who did Pearl Jam 10, and he was our producer on Nowhere Left to Hide, our first major record. And um, he was an incredible. We, we went to London Bridge Studios. We set up the drums exactly where um, where Matt Cameron set up his drums from Pearl Jam, and we, we went about the same. We stayed at the Motel 6 across the road, we ate out of cans and we drank lots of red wine. Smoking Loon was uh, Rick, Rick's favourite wine. And we recorded our first record there and, and it was one of those experiences that I wish um, we took more advantage of. It was like eight days of just hardcore um, 
hardcore intense kind of, and then your lack of sleep. But it was pretty insane that we we kind of got to do that, and that's something that I'll, I'll always be really thankful for. And that kind of gave us um, a bit of a leg up to radio in Australia, and um, you know, it led us. You know, like my career isn't something to go, this is huge and, and amazing, but it's been really solid and really, really fruitful for me and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and Los Angeles has been somewhere where I've been able to feed everything that I want to do. Like I can I can write, I've written music um, in, that's been in TV. I've, my my uh, producer that I work with on my solo project um, allowed me to have songs in, you know, commercials and movies and and um trailers and things like that so like these are things that i that i that you can you never know where you can land in los angeles you know it's not one-way traffic it's like everything you can you can do everything working on a record right now for an amazing animation uh called the pom-pom crew which is about kids called kids music i'm writing songs through the mind of a six-year-old girl how the hell can i do that it's because i'm here breathing and living in this weird town that allows you to do weird things. Um, luckily enough to have created my own animation out here called Eco Giraffe, which is about a giraffe with no neck, and he goes on and he takes faces the challenges of the world, and I've written a theme song for that. I'm going to write music for that. This is not the rock and roll fantasy. This is actually just being in the music industry these days. Like everyone's doing cool stuff, you know, and a lot of my idols that I um, – that I aspire to be like one day are still they're scoring movies and they're and they're creating music for all types of different things. It's not just like being a rock and roll star. You are doing everything. You know, like Tom York is scoring films. Matt Bellamy's and Muse are doing incredible work. Trent Reznor. These are things that hopefully one day in the next ten years I aspire to actually be part of and doing things like that. But you've got to start somewhere, and Los Angeles does give you that it does give you that food to be able to like, you know, be able to keep on doing it. I can live comfortably here and not stress. I, there's work. Um, and, and that's kind of where I feel, feel more positive and more what I am at this current stage of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's no doubt. It. How long have you been in LA now? It's been uh, the first, so 14 years. Um, but the first three was back and forth. Um, and, you know, now now the last year and a half, because my girlfriend is uh, from the East Coast, she's now moved here, but she has a place on the East Coast. And um, so I've, I've been able to go back a lot in the last year and a half. Uh, I joined an incredible musical out there where, where I met her, um, and it's now taken this whole new path into this even bigger musical. So now I'm doing that as well. So um, uh, this is where I'm finding the kind of uh, fruits for my labour, if you like, because uh, every day I'm, I am working every day. Like it's hard to not, because I'm, I'm my own boss, I guess. So it's hard to kind of not want to, not want to be always doing something productive. And, and yeah, so I'm, there's a lot of productive things that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of right now, which I'm excited about. Yeah. It's so awesome to hear so much on the go, um, which is great. Um, Tell us just a little bit about the the new project you're working on, the new band, Ash and Moon. I think it's a really exciting band. I've listened to some of the lyrics and some of the songs in the last month. Um, yeah. Some of those lyrics, man, are incredible, honestly, um, and so relevant to right now. I'm not sure if they were new lyrics from a little while ago, or but they're just so relevant. They hit, hit the spot so it, close to the mark now. It's funny. Our, our drummer, Zach, who's become a full member in the last kind of six months, we did an interview the other day, um, and that question came up, and he and he goes, he goes, didn't you write this record like before, you know, these times? And I said, yeah, I kind of, I wrote because I wrote these lyrics, and obviously I would show it to the boys, and they give us, you know, the thumbs up if that's, you know, and you know, not that the thumbs up was always agreed with, but um, uh, I kind of, I find them very personal, and. And it was it, it kind of foreshadowed a, a kind of a lot of the things. And so when we put the the first EP together uh, for Ash and Moon, um, we had the lead single called Dust Bowl, which was basically this kind of song dystopian kind of vibe where the the world is kind of ended and you're in the middle of this city that's that's become dead and you're kind of navigating your way around. Um, 
basically a dust bowl where you don't know where you're quite going and, and the, the storm's come, been and gone and you're now trying to find out where, where you are and who you are. And so that was became it became really easy to kind of start picking the songs that we wanted to 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 showcase who we are because of the current situation. So we put together the five songs for the first EP, and then we've got some great reviews and some great support from it. But um, yeah, lyrically, it's um, I I try not to write things that are throwaway. Um, I have done in the past, I guess, but I don't. I've always thought about what I'm writing. I don't, I don't, you know, like writing about banging in the back of a car that has cool rims or anything like that. I'm kind of like, I kind of like, for me, I'm a happy-go-lucky kind of silly Aussie that, and I'm uh, love puns. I love dad jokes. I love talking absolute bollocks. So the lyrics allow me to be the more sensitive, emotional, connected guy. So when, sometimes when people meet the lyricist, they're not actually meeting uh, Toby sometimes because I will that I'm exhausted that time, and then I just need to be silly, and my girlfriend can testament <laughs> to that. <laughs> I think that's the uh, that's the lovable lovable part about you, Tobes. Um, you you seem incredibly spiritual in that respect through your songwriting, um, but then there's there's such outlet where you you're the you're the fun Aussie larrikin guy man and that's that's going back through your band Duke Cartel and that's where I met you um yeah. all those guys man it was such a fun time um yeah. and I'm sure you know Toby uh sorry um Tommy's you know he's off he's off now Mr Yoga man like he he's he's really connected um and it's so cool to see some of those guys and what they're doing now incredible talents back in the day yeah I mean like if you still pick up a if you still put the boys together there's something that's really magical happens particularly our voices together like tommy dale and myself we um dale always said and tommy they said they they learned how to sing from being in in duke cartel because i was like okay we need harmonies you know and so dale always had this amazing voice and tommy always had the ability um and a really nice high pitch but it took us, the three of us, um, I, th I remember we toured America doing a radio promotional tour in 2009 and the three of us had to literally go like 30 cities um, uh, for a one month and, and do like, you know, the, the radio station in the morning, just the three of us singing together. By the time we finished that, it was like we felt like we were the Beatles, the three Beatles, you know, like having these layered harmonies. That's one thing that I really really miss and that's what i'm working on with the with the new band like surprisingly my my buddy and co co uh, creator gary beers is uh, a great singer he just never had he hasn't brushed on up, up on it lately and and our drummer zach is another great singer so that's what we're going to instill in that because i i think that that camaraderie that i formed with uh dale and tommy was incredible you know and i i look forward to like going back home and having some jams with them hopefully next year yeah, it's interesting you hear that because I obviously saw a gig that was January 2020, which was this one, and you had yeah. you had some others kind of rigged up, and it was all things were happening, and then um, the world stopped, right? Um, yeah. So was that when, when did when did the creation of Ash and Moon, and and what can you tell me about it? Yeah, so Ash and Moon uh, was uh, we started as like kind of uh, so Gary, for those who don't know, Gary's the bass player from Inexcess, and I met him about five years ago at a party where I was playing for um, a producer for a CBS and we were, me and Sebastian, my, my buddy over here, we were playing acoustic in the backyard and I knew Gary was going to be there so we learned a couple of In Excess songs and he got up and jammed um, with us but the only bass that was at the party was a left-handed bass and I did uh, Need You Tonight in a different key because I just tried to cut it for a TV spot so I said, Gary, why don't you come up and play the bass with us, mate? And he's like, yeah, sure, no worries, mate. It's good, nice to meet you. And um, the only bass was an upside down, so for him, an upside down bass. And I go, oh, by the way, it's in uh, it's in E or whatever. And he's like, you're fucking kidding me. So somehow he managed to play, you know, Need You Tonight with us fumbling around and it was hilarious. And so we became mates after that. And we started. Yeah. Um, we really started cool way. Cool, yeah. cool way to meet someone, right? And just 
um, to- totally left field, but I'm sure he'll never forget that time either. No, he does. He always brings it up. He goes, this prick, you know, that's the first night I met him. He made, made me play an upside down base. And I'm like, listen, get over it, buddy. You've sold 50 million records. Have, have a drink. <laughs> um, and, um, and so we started jamming um, a group called Stadium, which was basically I was a singer for um, – for a for a, like this corporate thing, and we did a lot of in excess, and um, and we had uh, Alan White, who is uh, Morrissey's guitarist, and we have Jimmy Curry, who played with um, with Beth Hart and and jammed with Costello, Elvis Costello and the Heartbreakers, and then on drums Randy Cook, who was from Smash Mouth, and Mike Crumpus from Smash Mouth, and so we had this band of like rotating musos. We had um, we had Matt Road from Jane's Addiction. Um, so we had this band which was epic and we'd just play these corporate functions and it just started gathering steam and, and then we, would, we used to do rehearsals and, and um, you know, Jimmy would start a riff or something and I said, we should start writing songs. And then we started writing songs probably about about uh, 18 months ago, maybe two, two years, um, just testing the waters and, um, and then it got to the stage where I'm like, this passion project's turning into something, we need a name. Um, every time we walked out of Gary's backyard studio, the moon would just be smacking us in the face. And we were all really um, listening to a lot of Zeppelin at the time and a lot of 70s and and getting that kind of feeling. Um, and I remember that lyric from The Doors, Ashen Lady, and I was just like, that's a, a fashion, what a cool word. And I just had this imagery of like, you know, an ashen moon. And I remember we all sat out and just put our arms around each other and kind of that was where we kind of came up with the the idea for Ashen Moon. And once you, and I think musos will understand this, once you come up with a name for something, now its purpose needs to be fulfilled. Because if it's not called anything, then it's always going to be just like, oh, well, you know, I don't really need to fulfill that duty right now because it's not, it's not, not whole. And so I started just kind of like really throwing all my ideas and then Gary I was so stoked because Gary opened up his in excess vault and he goes oh by the way mate here's all the songs that I had written that didn't quite make the cut on you know Shabu Shabar or on kick and so he gave me all these ideas and so I took them I took this big folder home and I would cut out pieces and I'd chuck it into my desk and I'd sing top lines over it bring it back and we'd create songs and we did that for a number of them. A lot of them didn't make it, but the ones that stuck was the first song that you heard tonight, um, uh, Future Kings and Queens. That was an idea that Gary had created uh, late 90s. Um, and it was just the baseline the, and the and the kind of beautiful piano piece, the, the Hammond and things like that was just kind of added to the whole element. But I remember it was just being a bare track and um, I remember just being emotionally driven by this this need to kind of have a better world left for my daughter, and so that where that's where that song kind of built its uh, steam. And then when you hear the rest of the record, actually, without faith, which is one of our band favourites, is the first song we ever did. And without faith was our last single that we put out, and has become a little bit of a fan favourite for those who are following the band. Um, my girlfriend's favourite as well, and. Um, that was our first song, but that was like a we were cutting up ideas and we were in the studio. This doesn't work. Um, it used to be called Magpie and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it was like a real interesting creative process because I would go over to Gary's and we and Jimmy would come in and and every time that I'd create a song on the guitar or whatever, so I'd just play a simple like whatever that is. Jimmy would come in with this weird tuning and make it sound like fucking Beethoven. So I would do the basics, bring it in, cultivate it a bit. Jimmy would come in and just kind of beautify it. And we did that for about 30, 40 songs, and we came up with the 13 that we've kept. Um, Had some amazing musicians play on it. Jason Gangberg, um, who's from the band Dorothy, and uh, uh, Kenny Dickinson, who played the keys, who... um, was with Katie Tunstall and so we had these great musicians on the record and now we have an album that we're really really proud of um and there's more to come yeah I can't wait uh can't wait for you to be able to tour that soon Tobes um, yeah you you mentioned that you were well you, you're in in um uh recording mode again in respect of um a new film clip 
Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah, we've um we we the future kings and queens and we actually shot a music video for that as well. We've we've waited because we we're waiting for news about what America's gonna do. Um the music the music video is based around um inspiring the youth to kind of have a, a better place to be a part of. So we're gonna put that out next week. Um after the news that we've heard today, we think it's a good time to keep the inspiration going. Um yeah. I'm all, I'm all about I'm all about saving the planet and um you know, like the the animation I'm working on is all about you know just making sure that the earth is actually here for um my kids to actually enjoy, um, which my father is strongly works on as well. He won't retire because he just wants to always do things um, to help the planet. And um, and then we uh, have another uh, mosquito that the music video got lost and now it's been found. So we're putting that out and we're shooting tomorrow. We're shooting um, we're doing shooting two two music videos in one day tomorrow. Um, uh, you broke yourself again, which is the ballad off the record. We have a beautiful concept for that, which we're shooting uh, tomorrow, and then uh, without faith, we're shooting that as well, which is a more of a dark, weird concept. So, keeping really busy with that, and in the in the meantime, we've been recording remotely in our studios um, acoustic versions of the, the album and acoustic versions of In Excess. Um, as yeah, Gary's the only. Uh, obviously, Andrew Farris has is, uh, got his country record out, but right now Gary's the only one that's kind of um, in a rock and roll band. And we thought, let's just um, let's let's do some different takes on some of the NXS songs, and 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 just because I think that it's really cool to it to enjoy someone's legacy. And after meeting Gary, he's become one of my best mates. And I'm like, he hasn't really spoken too much about in excess until we kind of once we play the songs and once we start talking about it is like you know what man you know we should we should just really enjoy the music that's there so we're doing that as like a little bit of a passion thing as well which is fun but um and we started writing again with um with our new drummer as well so uh just things are looking good um on the, on yeah. the creative front yeah fantastic i mean there's been so many flashbacks to 90s and 2000s plus bands and um, in excess has definitely obviously still been one of those that you know the kids are growing up with it my my kids are now at 18 to 20 in that bracket and 20 plus and and all their friends mate they're hugely into in excess so it's it's um it's we it'd be absolutely my absolute dream and obviously to see yours as well so to see some of these guys maybe get together again one day um and belt out some in excess numbers and I, I honestly i couldn't pick a better front man to replace Michael Hutchinson personally, then I think it'd be an absolute dream for you, Tobes, to, to be able to do that. Any oh, thoughts? I thought you were going to say someone else then. I was like, better hope you're fucking talking about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm giving that one to you, man. That is an absolute dream. It's not even a real conversation, but it's an absolute dream. It's, I know that Gary you know, expressed his thoughts that, that if he was able to, to put a band together, he'd like that as well. But, um, you know, they've had... An incredible um, career with with different amazing singers, and you know, let's do it. Let's just do a grand final day. How about that? Let's just do one of those. That'll be fun. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, um, and, and interesting topic, uh, grand final day talents. We haven't had uh, too many good ones, and there was their biggest chance, really, um, in in Australia to to really make a statement with Australian music, and they kind of missed the mark, in my opinion. But um, that's just my opinion. But Hopefully, um, we we can get it right, and we've got such good talent here, as you know, Tobes. Um, doesn't matter where you are in the world now, we can get over and make these things happen. So it'd be so awesome to be able to kick that off. I mean, in excess, we're incredible, no doubt. Gary is one of those, and you're so lucky to to have him as part of your band now. Yeah, I'm stoked, mate. And you know, you like um, just just watching him kind of get back into that vibe as well. Like you know, um. If we did a live stream last night and just seeing just the the energy of playing live, you know, it's something that's in your blood. You know, it doesn't matter how big the stage is. You go from 80,000 at Wembley or to a camera this big and it's the same thing, you know. It's a, it's about the vibe, you know. Like those who saw that last night, um, I feel I could feel, the, feel it coming through the computer. I know we were talking about it earlier, how it's really difficult to kind of um, – showcase the energy of a live show through a computer but it, it's great for the musicians 
Like I yep. really enjoy it because I get to play music and it's a good it's and I don't get to see my brothers too often because of this time. So when we're in a room together, the wine's the wine's flowing and 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 we're shit talking and we're playing music and it's awesome. So we hope yep. that kind of conveys you know into the rooms where people are watching at home. Absolutely. So I suppose that's a that's a good segue into what I threw you a challenge before and um thought uh why don't we pull out the guitar so if if you'd yeah. be so kind and and uh and give us something and we'll we'll give a little release to the fans and yeah give them a well, little outlet so funny that i have one sitting right here mate you know um there you go um one 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 awesome thing that's happened to us uh as a band as well is a really amazing guitar company called breedlove uh based out of oregon uh basically kind of pseudo sponsored the band and they gave us these amazing beautiful guitars yeah, they're pretty uh, sweet yeah this is um incredible incredible stuff so um my guitar playing is not as good as the, the vocals i hope anyway but we'll see how we go um this is a song that uh kind of has done done the rounds with me it's a personal song that i imagine writing um the first time that you connect with someone yourself the mirror your daughter your mother um and that's kind of the evolution of this song which uh which is called chameleon where are you now i love your skin Know you face the world within. There's a starlight you need to see. The echoes awaken the voice within. Yeah, you know this the voice that is calling. What's your secret? Where do I begin? Oh, you're changing, you're changing on the color of your skin. Oh, you're changing your face, my chameleon. My chameleon. The love, the fear, the loss You see yourself in my eyes I turn you near, relaxed I see myself in your eyes What are you thinking? It's getting late now Waiting to see the person outside you're aching to be. Yeah, the person you were born to be. The love, the fear, the loss, I see myself in your eyes. I turn you near, relaxed. I see myself in your eyes. What am I thinking? There you are now. Dressed in your skin, the world outside is born within. Look inside my chameleon. Yeah. There you go. Unbelievable, Tobes. Um, thank you. On a, well, that's all I can say, mate. On a Sunday afternoon, a Saturday night in LA, um, mate, you 
reinvigorated my life just hearing your voice again man honestly you're you're an angel man oh. sweet that that voice is incredible thank you so thank much. you i really appreciate that man like and yeah fuck what do you say about that man i felt that thank you so much um, no problem man there's a lot of people that post in comments here um that checked out last night's show uh, amazing show they loved it this is gorgeous what a sunday sesh saturday sesh like this is cool man you know some of these people um these these people will also jump on later and and rewatch this later. Yeah, um, so it's cool, so cool to uh, to engage these people, man. It is, it is. It's like um, I've got I've been so fortunate to have like a, a really cool group of um, people who who are consistently there for me, which is awesome. And um, so to be able to kind of write music that connects, um, have uh, a voice that people can uh, vibe with, then. You know, sometimes it's very easy to forget that. Um, I mention my girlfriend a lot, but she's very connected with the, this side of the things, and it's very easy as an Australian to sometimes just push push aside some of the feelings that come with um, touching someone in a way because when you're growing up, it's, it's kind of like it was never seen to be cool to do it that way. But when you say things like you're an angel and you've made my day for doing this i'm like i should be really i shouldn't feel um embarrassed by that i should be celebrating that you know rather you know and that's isn't that interesting how when i was growing up you go into your show and like oh don't say that but we should be rewarding ourselves for, yeah. for complimenting each other and patting each other on the back like you're absolutely i mean my, my comment there you know people would say as you said before it's like mate are you for real what are you doing what are you saying that you're telling a guy you love him or he's, he's an angel it's like man that that's for girls that stuff it's like yeah. man we need to do this more and we need to reach out more big virtual hugs man like you, yeah. you're killing it man it's it's been a 20-year journey i've followed it man i've loved it it's um wow. and i really think right now you know this is this is your moment man like this is it's really about to happen for you i think and not that it hasn't happened but i actually think you really from what i've heard recently man this is this is your moment now i really appreciate that man and like you know i've i've enjoyed moments you know all through my life and my career but i think it's more about um when you connect with really what you believe in and not taking outside sources that lead you astray um yeah. And sometimes it's always good to take outside of the sources. Otherwise, you're never really learning about what other people like. But creatively, um, if you're not being true to, like, your true self, then it actually can. <laughs> I just saw that comment. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> it's okay to cry, man. It's okay yeah. to cry. I love that. Um, if you're not being true to kind of, you know, like, for instance, that song Chameleon is it, – I remember playing that uh, or writing that a few years ago. I actually wrote that new chorus about an hour and a half ago, knowing that I just wanted to play it fresh because it's like everything else that comes with that song is exactly how I feel sometimes. Like just, um, but sometimes it's, you have to behave like what you say as well. And sometimes you forget and you have to check in with yourself. And um, my motto and my catchphrase that I have at the bottom of my emails and that's on my on my staple and my stamp is the world outside is born within. And whatever you're feeling inside, it'll come out and people will see it. Um, I know that I get told that a lot, particularly if I'm being silly. That's because inside I'm feeling like I'm going to be a bloody rap scallion. Um, if I'm moody, you can see it. If I'm, I'm upset, you can see it. And everyone just needs to own what they are on the inside, and it's okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talk about that a lot recently, about what's inside needs to be outside. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we need to be a little bit more vulnerable, right? Um, yeah. And take, not only be vulnerable, but it's okay not to be okay a lot of the times, you know? And it's okay to reach out to dudes, you know, and yeah. guys and girls and have a chat. And that's the whole point of why we're doing this. Um, so it's so cool to connect you back right now everyone feels uh, all the way in melbourne and australia that you once again times you you're in front of them and you're in their lounge room again and we just can't wait to be able to have you back ah uh, mate me too mate i'm super pumped to come back and uh congrats on putting the show together and you know like 
um, when you got when you hit me up in the email, I'm like, I go, that's interesting, okay. And I checked out the one you sent me. Obviously, was uh, with our buddy Rusty from Electric Mary, um, who's been a buddy of mine. Haven't seen him for a long time, but we used to um, meet with my other dear friend Glenn Glenn Stokes, who's one of my besties in in Australia, and who did a lot of the touring for us. We used to meet at Southland when I was back in Australia um, and go to Chowie's Coffee Shop um, which when he was looking after Gloria Jeans, I think it was, and we used to sit there and Rusty would be there in his shorts and his headphones and, he and you know, like he's a, he's a huge Glenn Hughes fan. He's a huge Deep Purple fan and, and, um, and he would go, listen, I've heard your new song, mate. It's not too bad, but it's fucking not as good as this shit and he'd be listening to it, you know, and... <laughs> and um, I just remember those members. So when I saw Rusty do do the episode, I'm like, yeah, this is great. You know, you, you're getting people that I look up to and getting um, there he is. <laughs> he's there he right. is. He's jumped, on. jumped on for a comment before. He's uh, yeah. he's a good mate of mine. We've had kids go to school together, and a funny story quickly with Rusty is, you know, I'd gone and seen him in in bands before, and he's he's off playing gigs, and I thought he was incredible. You know, in the nineties. And and in two thousands, you know, he's playing Green Day and all this stuff. He hates. He says he hates now. But, I know. I you know, remember. You know, was it twenty one twenty? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah we're talking Thursday Thursday nights at the Grand Hotel in Essendon, and we'd race out there and and hear the guys play and and then the Star Bar and all those kind of places. And man, that that was like the bands were there. You know, uh, there were all those bands. He rolled into one between him and his crew, and um, yeah. they were a talent at the time. And we laugh about that so many years on and we get we end up reconnecting through our kids at school it was incredible and uh, uh i was doing some t-shirts for the band electric mary and uh he's like mate how do you re- even remember 2120 and it's like <laughs> mate, that's the kind of thing you did at the time but um what an incredible muso rusty is there's been so many and, and electric mary's just really hitting their straps right now i know yeah the new records are great like um you know i've been seeing uh I've seen every incarnation of Electric Mary because it was one of those things that we do. It was like um, there's two bands that are my guilty pleasure to go to a show with, Electric Mary and She Had, because yeah. every time you go to either, and if you put them together, then fuck me. But every time you go to those shows, you, you, it's just a lad's night where it's just horrendously awesome you know the music's loud and um we've done a bunch we did a bunch of shows electric mary back in the day the incarnations obviously erwin thomas playing um you know they've got brett pete um incredible spider on drums like it's just epic you know i remember nilo who's now fox sorry fox and fox is over here in la i catch up with him from time to time so it's like real good um band started ages and ages ago that are still kicking ass and um and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the melbourne scene and and the 90s scene where we could all play six nights a week and get our chops up um put some money aside and uh and create a vibe where people and, and an audience so when you actually put out when you finally say yep i'm just doing nothing but original music it's all there yeah, there's your platform and it's ready to go um yep. and, and then we had and all those bars like you know the depot and the star bar and um Frostbites and fucking um, Mercury Lounge and all that kind of stuff. They they gave platforms for every band to like play on big stages, and then we're, it's up to them to take it to the next level, you know. And luckily, I was yeah. with a group of guys that we we got an opportunity to come over here and we we took it and and here here it is. <laughs>